Hello, and welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly sermon podcast. We are finishing our sermon series, This Is Us. Today's message is titled, We Do It With Excellence. Enjoy the word. Good morning. Is it too early to say good morning with some excitement? Is that okay? Can I do that? That's all right. All right, so don't mind me. Good morning. How's everybody doing? All right. Welcome to Church at the Bridge. For those of you that don't know me, I am Pastor Jose. I'm the lead pastor here. And today is a great day. Listen, any day that we have the opportunity to simply consider the truths of God's word. I don't know about you, but I grew up in that church where I was told what to believe. And I was told how to believe. And I was kind of just dictated to. How many, of you, how many of us know that doesn't work? That doesn't work. What we want is an encounter with God. Are you ready for an encounter with God? Yeah. You are? Yeah, if, you, if you're ready for an encounter with God, say, that's me. All right. Some, some, okay, the majority of you are ready. My, my prayer here today is simply that you would open your heart and open your mind to the truth that we're going to share today. Amen? So we've been on a series the last couple of weeks entitled, This is Us. This is Us. And you might be wondering, well, what are we talking about here? What is this, this is us deal? What are we, what are we looking into? Well, look, the truth is that as followers of Jesus Christ, God's people are intended to bring about change. Hey, listen, whether you believe in Jesus or not, I want you to know something that God created you to be a change agent, to be a light, to be a solution, to be a vehicle through which he touches people's lives in very practical and powerful ways. Yes, you, yes, you. Uh, The reason why I say that is because somebody said, who, me? I heard it, by the way, whether you were thinking it or not, I heard it, right? But listen, as followers of Jesus Christ and just as people in general, God designed us to be a tool to bring about change. And one of the key indicators of what God desires for your life is that you would be a difference maker, that you would be the trendsetter, that you would be the solution initiator. See, mankind was created to take dominion and set the tone from the very beginning of time. I don't have time to dig into that. But one of the things that I've been alluding to over the last several weeks is something that I read from a book by a guy named Tim Elmore, and he uses the analogy of a thermostat and a thermometer. And the reason why I bring that up is because we got to be careful that we're not living lives as thermometers. Here's what I mean. Thermometers simply reflect the environment. They don't change it. They don't dictate it. They don't set the tone. They simply reflect what's there. Question, is that the life you're leading? That's a good question for us to consider. Am I simply reflecting what's going on around me? Am I reflecting the politics around me? Am I, am I reflecting the music around me? Am I reflecting the mindsets around me? Am I, re, am I reflecting what's popular and accepted? Am I reflecting what I hear in the news or what the general consensus says? Conversely, we should really consider being light, living life as a thermostat. And I'll tell you why. Because thermostats dictate the climate. Thermostats change the environment. See, that's what you were created for. Say, that's me. Say that. Say that with submitting. That's me. That's what I was created for. We should believe that, right? But unfortunately, the truth is that many people today prefer life as a thermometer just to reflect what's going on around us. It's easier to just do what's around us. It's easier to just agree with what everybody else says. It's easier to go with what's hot and new and exciting. That's easy. But the question is, is it worth it? Is it worth it? 
And so in week one, we learned that as followers of Jesus Christ, and just as people in general, that the way we begin to create a climate of change is by our love for God. The Bible says that we love God because he first loved us, right? So we can love because he first loved us. That's powerful because you go into any community that's broken, you go into any marriage that's struggling, you go into any relationship that's, that's hindered or, or frayed between parent and child or just in community or just in general, and you start bringing in and introducing love, and you watch how it changes things. And so you see, without a love for God, we can't change an environment. So week one, we learned that we're called to love God. We love God here at Church of the Bridge. We strive to do that. Listen, newsflash for those of you that are just kind of checking us out, or maybe you've been here for a while. We are not perfect in this regard. The only perfect church is in heaven, and I'm sure that some of us are not in a rush to get there. I get that. But my point is this. Listen, as long as that's the goal, you'll always be on the right track. You may stumble at times. But a love for God would always, will always lead us in the right way. Week two, we learned that we are called to love people. See, we're not simply recipients of God's love. We're not simply recipients of God's grace. We're not simply recipients of God's forgiveness. We're not simply recipients of God's blessing and health and, and all these great things that so many people rejoice about. We're also called to be vessels that pour it out. And so we're called to love people. And last week, week three, we learned that we're called to serve our community. And community is wherever you go and you are in communion, in relationship with people. That can be in your workplace. That can be in your own household. That can be in the neighborhood that you live in. That can be where, you, where your travels take you. Here at Church the Bridge, we believe strongly that we're called to serve the city of Newburgh. That we're not just called to be a part of this community, but we are called to be a part of the very fabric of this community, which changes and brings solutions and partners. We're not afraid to step out of these walls. So for those of you that are looking for a home and you're looking for something more than what you've, been look, than what you've experienced, welcome home. Because we simply believe that we're called to do what the Word says. We're called to go. Today, we're going to come to the fourth and final point of this series Somebody say, aw. I know, right? It's all right. We got a great series coming up next week. Uh, News Flash, we're going to be talking about flying high in life. And literally what we're going to be talking about is what it, how, how we get a vision from God and how that vision carries us. Listen, this is very important, so don't miss it. Bring a friend. Bring some family. Bring some kids. They'll have fun, right? But today, as I said, we're at the fourth and final point, and we are going to be talking about doing it with excellence. Say this with me. We do it with excellence. Now, let's make this a little bit more personal. Say this with me. I do it with excellence. Say that. So, listen, the truth is this. I'm glad you all agree because that means that you are ready, primed to receive this word, right? And so you and I were created to live with excellence. You and I were created to Live with excellence. Now, what does that mean? See, excellent is, is sometimes relative to what we believe, to what we've experienced. But what I want you to begin to see is that God hasn't called us to uh, live subject to what we think excellence is. There's a standard that God has. There's something that God has created you and I for. See, excellence, right, is what creates impact for change. Let me put it to you this way. Excellence is simply to do what we do well, right? 
not to just do my best, because how many of us know that sometimes we say, but I did my best, but did we really do our best? Did we really go above and beyond? I remember when we first came to this facility, this facility was a wreck. It looked like the rapture happened. There was cigarette butts with the ash that went all the way. It looked like Jesus came and everything just stopped. There were cups of liquor all around and fruit flies. This place was destroyed. We came in with a vision for this city, a heart for people, and we said we're going to do it with excellence. You know what that meant? How many of you want to know what that meant? We were here 15, 16 hours a day cleaning, <coughs> believing in people. And don't get me wrong, there were times where some people were like, yeah, right. You would have thought I was going to do that. And you know what? That's okay for them. But we decided that we were going to start and continue with excellence. Now, does that mean that we have it all together? No. But what I will tell you is that we maintain a standard because we serve an excellent God. And so excellence is simply to do what we do well. It's to do what we do with a good attitude. It's to do what we do beyond what is expected. See, when you live this way, you got to think about this. It always leads to influence. It always leads to influence. Excellence leads to influence. Hey, if you're taking notes, some of you are going, oh, man, I'm not taking notes. You should. Pull out your phone, pull out a piece of paper, do whatever you got to do. Write in the air, whatever you got to do, but take some notes on this. Listen, excellence is what leads to influence. See, that's what God is after in and through our lives. It opens doors to influence people. It opens doors to affect change. It opens doors for the hand of God. Think about it. People who are consistently late, not dependable, have a bad attitude, create this reputation right, for less than, are these people that are really impacting any forward-moving change? Are these the people that you get excited to work with at work, right? Are these the people that you depend on? Hey, let's make it a little bit more personal. Are you living with excellence? Are we living with excellence? We should ask ourselves that. Do we, do we rise above the standard? Do we go the extra mile? And so, I want you to consider something from the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, as we get started here. And I believe that I have a word from God directly for you. Now, here's what I mean. I'm not that guy that is going to go, thus saith the Lord, and shimmy and do all that crazy stuff. No. I believe in being practical. I believe that Jesus used what was around them to teach. And I believe that today what I want to share with you is a word that is timely and necessary, not just for you, but for me, but for all of us, but for this world, right? And so listen to the book of Isaiah, to, to, to Isaiah uh, chapter 60, verses 1 through 3. And watch what it starts off by saying, he says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. That word glory there simply means... The excellency of God. God at his very best. His, his majesty. And the scriptures tells us that that's what's risen upon you and I. It says, see, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you. And his glory appears over you. Watch this. Nations will come to your light. 
and kings to the brightness, watch this, of your dawn. Your dawn. See, it's time for you and I to arise and shine. It's time to rise above the norm. It's time to shine where nobody else will shine. It's time to be the difference maker instead of letting what other people do make the difference in your life. That makes sense? And so without a standard of excellence, we remain in darkness. Listen, we reflect the people around us. We begin to mimic and display the mindsets that drive everything going on around us and live with no aspiration to rise to anything in life. And watch what God says to you and I. He says, get up. Rise up. Shine. Because people will be drawn to you. Listen, you and I are God's vehicle to impact long-lasting change. You know why? If you believe in Jesus, you carry, listen, the whole message of salvation in the person of Jesus. And you don't have to, you don't have to prepare your two-minute elevator speech on why people need Jesus. You just need to love people and be a vehicle to bless people and touch people and meet people where they are. That's what God calls you and I. But watch this. Second Peter chapter 1, verses uh, uh, verse uh, 3 says this, for his divine power, whose power? His, right? So it's talking about God. It says, for his divine power has bestowed upon us all things that are requisite and suited to life and godliness. So see, you got, you got the whole deal. You're equipped. You and I have everything we need for life and godliness. But watch this. Through the full personal knowledge of him, listen closely, who called us by and to his own glory and excellence. Let's leave that verse up there. I want you to see something here. That we have been called to be standards of excellence. But watch this. It's not your and my excellent. It's his. We've been called by an excellent God to live excellently. To rise up. Listen, I get it. You grew up in a difficult situation. I get it. My neighborhood. I get it. My community. I get it. I wasn't taught these things. I get it. I lack motivation. But you have everything you need to live in excellence, to be a light, to shine. You were created to stand up and stand out. See, God called us by and to his own glory and excellence. Let me ask you this. Would you parent, or just in general, would you take your newborn and put them in a race to run when they've just been born? No, right? Why not? Because they can't even walk. So I'll tell you why I share that with you. Because you and I would never do that because they have to first learn to walk. Listen, here's the thing. You invest into that child and you begin to teach them and then you work them up to that. The reason why I share that with you is this, because the scriptures clearly reveal to us that just like a child, we have the ability to walk, but we have to learn that we can. 
We have to learn that we can run. And the reason why I share this all is simply to say this. Some of us, maybe it's possible, we've never thought of the fact that we were created to live with excellence. We've never considered that. We've never considered that. Listen, excellence isn't just what we do in public. Excellence is what we do in private. The scriptures say this, that what we do in secret, God will reward openly. Now, that's referring to prayer and all that. But here's the truth. Hey, what we do in private, it plays out in our public life to some extent. Think about this. How are you living when nobody else can see it? It's very practical, but it's so spiritual. Listen, what are we doing in private? What standard of excellence do we have in our homes? What standard of excellence do we have in our workplace? Are you the person that shows up on time or are you the person that shows up at some time? Oh, but you don't understand. I was busy. Wait, what? Try this one on for size. Oh, you don't understand. I can't give you your check. I'm too busy. Yeah, that's not going to fly with us, right? We got to understand something. We're called to a standard of excellence because we are called to shine. We're called to stand up and stand out. That makes sense? And so listen, for the next couple of moments that I have here, I want to really dig into this deal of excellence. And I want us to look at the life of a guy named Daniel. You can turn in your Bibles if you want to Daniel chapter 6 verses 1 through 3. If you're taking notes, you definitely want to write down for yourself, study Daniel 6, right? But this guy, Daniel, was a man who was enslaved since his youth when Jerusalem was overtaken by the empire of Babylon. Now, it's not clear, but it kind of sounds like if you study out the scriptures, because when Daniel's introduced to us, he's under the empire of Persia, right? He's under the Persian empire, which kind of alludes to it's possible that Daniel was born in slavery. It's possible, right? Anyway, that's just me being a Bible geek. Don't mind me. Um, but listen, though he was a slave, Daniel was the guy that was always rising to the top. He rose through the ranks, and as we'll see, he wielded influence among the very people that he was captive to. And so, listen, this guy was lived a life of excellence. I'm gonna, we're going to look at this in a second. He lived to such an extent. Everything that he did, that he was esteemed by the king of Persia, and he was placed as head of 120 provincial governors. Those are what you'll see in the scriptures called satraps. And we got to wonder, how is it that a slave made it to the throne? We got to wonder, how is it that this guy, right, went from right here being stuck in a muck to rising to the top? And yeah, I get it. Some of us might go, God. Whoa, you're going to see that God played a part in it, but so did Daniel. You know, sometimes we, we buy the lie and we go, oh, God, God, God will do this. Yeah, but if we're not putting into practice the principles that agree with God's word, listen, you, you and I have been called to excellence. But if we don't do the simple things, then guess what? We won't rise. And it's not God who's holding us back. It's us. That makes sense? And so listen to Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. It says that it pleased Darius, this is the king of the Persian kingdom, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, that's provincial governors, 
to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Listen, while considered an enemy in a foreign land and despised by these people, Daniel found himself in a place of influence above them. Above them. And I want to put up verse 3 again. Great, you guys are on top of the game, man. You put it up for me already. I want you to notice something. That verse 3 says that Daniel distinguished himself. He distinguished himself above all those around him. Above them. But why? Because there was an excellent spirit in him. In him. You know, let me just give you some some context here. In the Hebrew, when it talks about Daniel having an excellent spirit in him, it's talking about one who was minded inwardly by very great excellence. In other words, Daniel thought with excellence. He thought with excellence. You know what that looks like? Question for us to consider. Do your thoughts drive you or do you drive your thoughts? Do you just kind of go with the flow? Well, now I'm thinking about 20 years ago. And now I'm thinking about what this person said. Now I'm thinking about the Netflix that I was binging on, right? And now I'm thinking about what I've been reading. And now I'm thinking about what I've been listening to. Now I'm thinking, what I, do your thoughts drive you or do you drive your thoughts? See, when we're driving our thoughts, you know what's at work? Excellence. Excellence. So when it talks about an excellent spirit, it's one who's minded inwardly by very great excellence. You know what else it is? It's one who is defined by preeminence and abundance. Listen, these words in Hebrew reveal that everything that Daniel did, he was minded to do well. Daniel didn't just want to just do it. He wanted to do it well. Well. He had an attitude of excellence. He did everything with preeminence. You know what the Bible's talking, you know what the Hebrew word there's talking about when it refers to uh, an excellent spirit? It means that Daniel surpassed the efforts of all around him. Everyone around him. Daniel didn't just sweep the floor. Daniel mopped it. Daniel didn't just show up at 9 o'clock when he was expected to. Daniel was there 8.45 because 8.45 is on time. Daniel did not just settle for what everyone else did around him. He didn't just go with the expected. No, he surpassed. Listen, you and I, as possible, might feel light, weird, light years away from Daniel. 
But you got to remember something, that the same spirit that was in him is in you. Because the scriptures declare that the same spirit that raised Jesus from a dead situation now lives in you and I. What does that mean? That you and I can rise on a daily basis. That we don't have to settle for that which is dead and stinks. We can do better, right? See, the only difference between Daniel and maybe some of us here today is that he made it a point to distinguish himself. Let me put it to you this way. God has already distinguished you. He calls you chosen. He loves you and I. He created you for great works, for good things. But the question is, do we in agreement with what God wants for our lives go to the extent to distinguish ourselves? Do you step out of the norm, right? That all right? It got real quiet all of a sudden. That's either amen or all me. Either way, it's good. Truth sets us free, right? And so listen. We all have the ability to live with excellence, but only those that choose to distinguish themselves above everyone around them can live a life in excellence, defined by excellence. And so you see, Daniel was a slave, but check this. That did not stop him from excelling in life because Daniel's life was marked by excellence. Listen, though he was a slave, he didn't think like one. Though he was in an uncomfortable situation, he didn't just make a lemonade because all he had was lemons. No, Daniel believed more. He didn't just go for what was acceptable. He went for what was excellent. See, your level of excellence determines the height of your platform in life. Think about this. To the extent that we dare to live with excellence, to that extent we'll rise in life. So what can we learn from Daniel's example? As I said, Daniel was minded on doing all things well. Listen, he didn't operate as a slave. Let me tell you what I mean by that. A slave is someone who primarily, you know, depending on the culture it was in or it is in, slaves, for by, by and large, most part, are subjugated to a situation that they don't want to be in. And so, of course, you're going to get resistance. You're going to get attitude. You're going to get all those things. Listen, Daniel was a slave held against his will, but he didn't live a life riddled with bitterness. He wasn't rebellious. He didn't have a bad attitude. He didn't do things half-hearted. You know why? Because he knew that despite the circumstance he was in, he was a child of the king of kings. Listen, a child of a king lives as royalty. You know who you are, you know whose you are, and you know what you're called to. Say this with me. I'm a child of a great king. I pray that you believe that, that you receive that and you walk in that. And so listen, he didn't operate as a slave because he knew he was a child of the king, the greatest king of all. Colossians 3.23 puts it this way. It says, whatever you do, Somebody say whatever. whatever. Not that I don't mean like, you know, like, oh, whatever. No, no, no. It means like whatever, like everything in all things. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Get this. You might say, oh, I can't stand my boss. 
Well, according to Scripture, does that mean that you can't stand God? Because the Scripture says that whatever we do, we should do it with all our heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Well, I'll leave that right there. Listen, excellence is rooted in a mindset that puts importance on doing it well unto God so it can bless people. Do you know that you should be the person that gets the highest commendations in your workplace? Do you know that when you do your lawn, your neighbors should go, wow, who do you hire to get that done? And if you can't do it, then get someone that can do it with excellence. There's nothing wrong with not being able to do something, but if you can't do it, get somebody who will do it well. Well, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Right? See, when you do it unto the Lord, here's what we see. He will raise your level of influence for his glory because it's about him. God wants to exalt you because in exalting you, it reveals him. But excellence is a pathway to that. You know, I remember years ago, I used to work for a nonprofit organization. And I was, a, I was in a leadership capacity at this point. And um, I was responsible for some programs, uh, one or two programs at the time. And I worked in a correctional facility running some programs. And so part of my responsibilities was to meet with the faculty, with the, with the staff there that was in charge in this correctional facility in the city. Um, and so uh, one day I was meeting with the, the, um, the warden of the, the superintendent of that facility. And he asked me a question regarding some things that we had going on contractually. And because we are contracted to work for them and do this work, I saw it fit that it was my responsibility to answer his questions. And so I did. Well, when I got to work the next day back at my office, at one of my offices in Brooklyn, uh, my supervisor calls me into her office. And she says to me, Jose, it's my understanding. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I, I fast forwarded. There was a an envelope in my mailbox in, my, in the workplace. And I pulled it out, and when I opened it, it was a notice that I was being written up for insubordination. And basically what that means is that what I was doing was insubordinate to my supervisor. Like, I went completely against my supervisor's uh, regulations and instruction, and I was out of line. And so the thing about it is that I was being considered for a promotion at that time to become a director of multiple programs. And with that promotion, hey, let me just be honest with you, it became a good chunk of money. I was looking forward to that. Well, with this write-up, it would go into my file for the next six months, and I was in, deemed ineligible to be considered for that position. And so I was upset, to say the least. But you know... I had in mind to walk into her office and to give her peace of my mind and defend myself. And as I'm walking to her office to do so, I feel the Holy Spirit say to me, don't do it. Keep your peace. Don't say a word. I'm the one that avenges you. I'm the one that causes your light to shine as the noonday is what Psalm 37 says. And so... 
I didn't, but I went into her office because I knew she was expecting me. So I walk in, and she gives me this rundown, and I explain to her, hey, this is what I was asked, and this is what I did. And she says, well, you're insubordinate. You shouldn't have had that discussion. I stood quiet. For six months, I had not one but two promotions pass me by. Didn't say a word. To the day, six months later, I, and you know what I did? I said, Lord, I'm going to do my job with excellence. The next morning after that, when I met with her, I walk into the office, and I purposely walk the other way around the office so I could walk by her office. And when I walk in and I'm passing my office, I said, good morning, Carol. Her neck nearly snapped off. She did a double take. It was like, oh, hey, Jose, good morning. Because she was expecting me to be, you know, like all upset, you know, and whatever. And I decided, Lord, I'm going to do this your way. I'm going to do this with excellence. I'm going to be a light. And so for six months, I kept my mouth quiet. Six months to the day, that very day, I get a call from HR at the six-month mark, that very day, and they tell me, this is being removed from your file. You've been recommended for a directorship in, in this program. And I said, great. And then the uh, gentleman, Fred, uh, who was the HR manager, says to me, do you want to know who recommended you? You know who recommended me? The very person that said, you're insubordinate. Let me tell you something. Excellence leads to influence. So when you do it unto the Lord, he'll raise the le your level of influence for his glory. This was the same woman that when she left the organization and went to start her own in California, she, first of all, she tried to recruit me to go with her to San Francisco. And I said, nah, Carol, I'm not going to San Francisco. Right? But the second thing was, this is the person that said to me, Jose, Always remember this phrase because every time I hear it, I think of you. She says, you're the cream that rises to the top. You will always rise wherever you go. And you know what I said? Carol, that's God in me. That's the God in you. Amen? Amen. Let me tell you something else about Daniel. Daniel maintained a good attitude. In Daniel 6, it reveals that in spite of the king's favor that rested upon Daniel... The rest of his trusted officials did not feel the same way about Daniel. And so, listen, here's what ends up happening in this story, and I encourage you to go check it out on your own. These, these men that are in, 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 in high, you know, high regions, high parts of, of the government, they decide, you know what, we are going to bring this guy Daniel down. But the thing is, when they look at his life and they examine everything, they go, we got nothing on him. There's no charge we can bring against this guy. How's that for excellence? There's nothing we can do. He's above reproach. And so they said the only way that we can bring this guy down is to use his love and faith for God against him. And so they go to the king and they say, oh, great king, we propose to you a new law. That for the next 30 days, because you've got to understand something, in these times, according to this, these cultures, these foreign cultures, the king wasn't just king. He was considered a god. And so they say, oh, great king, we propose that for the next 30 days that you would sign this edict which mandates everyone that they can only bow down to you in prayer. No one else. And they did this because they knew that Daniel consistently sought God. And so the king says, man, that's a great idea. Worship me. So he signs it. But in signing it, he didn't realize 
that Daniel was surely to come down, right? And so let's read Daniel 6, verses 10 through 12. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed the decree that every man who petitions any God or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? That was the punishment for breaking the law. And the king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Now, I have a question for you. I want you to see this real quick. Let's turn back to verse uh, 1 there. I'm sorry, to verse 10 in Daniel chapter 6. I want you to see something. It says that Daniel went to his room, right, in his home. He knelt down on his knees. And three times that day he prayed, watch this, and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. Focus in on that. What was there for Daniel to be thankful for? Did he pray and say, oh God, thank you. I'm going to, there's a law, and they're going to kill me because of it, because I'm not going to keep it. Did he thank God for that? I want you to consider something. That the way we understand thankfulness is, One is only thankful upon receiving something. But that's not thankfulness at all. See, a thankful heart, a thankful person is one that is thankful not because of what they receive, but because of who God is. It's interesting, but in the Hebrew, that word thankful there speaks of praise, high praise. See, so we learn something valuable from the life of Daniel here. Notice that the Bible says, if we could just put up verse 10 again, is this. Notice what the Bible says. It says that he did, he prayed, he knelt on his knees, and he gave thanks, right, as was his custom since his early days. See, Daniel had an attitude of gratitude. His life was defined by thankfulness unto God, no matter the circumstances, no matter what he received. And so here's what we see from Daniel's life. It's not the trials of life that sink us. It's the attitude with which we choose to respond. Right? Listen to Philippians 4.8. It says, finally, brothers. Somebody say, finally. Here's what that means. Look, we're at the very end of this. This is the most important thing. Finally, brothers. Watch this. Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever is just. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. See, so if we're to choose to live with excellence, we have to orient our thoughts on something so much higher than what we see among us. You know... 
The fact that you lost your job is not an excuse to have a bad attitude. The fact that you're reaping some results from some choices you made before that isn't working in your favor right now is not an excuse to live with a bad attitude. The fact that life sometimes gets hard is not an excuse to have a bad attitude. The fact that somebody didn't notice you or somebody didn't say hello to you or somebody didn't reach out to you or somebody hasn't expressed their care for you is not an excuse to have a bad attitude. The fact that we were raised in certain ways or we had certain, certain negative experiences is not an excuse to have a bad attitude. It's not. And if we hold to that excuse, then guess what? It's like holding on to a sinking bowling ball, a sinking ball in an ocean. You're going down. It doesn't work. And you know, lastly, here's what we see from Daniel. That Daniel went beyond what was expected. So Daniel 6 tells us that Daniel was sentenced to death and put in the lion's den, right? But the thing is, the king favored Daniel. He saw something in Daniel. He believed that God was doing something great in Daniel's life. And so the king spent all night restless, hoping that nothing would happen to Daniel, that somehow God would come through. Now, check this out. Look at Daniel 6, verses 18 through 22. It says, now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. And no musicians were brought before him. And also his sleep went from him. In other words, he couldn't couldn't sleep. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Listen to Daniel's response. And as you listen to his response, listen to his heart. Listen to where he was oriented. Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. I want you to see something about Daniel. Now, I don't know about you. But if, think about this. I want you to imagine that you're the person that was thrown in the lion's den unjustly. And the king says, hey, did you make it? Are you all right? I'm pretty sure that for the majority of us, if not all of us, your response wouldn't be, oh, great king, live forever. I'm praying the very best for you, oh, king. I honor you. I honor your position. I honor your authority. Can I just deviate from my nose for a moment and just simply say this? That we live in a day and age that's rebellious. It's starting in homes. It's transcending into workplaces. It's transcending into schools. It's transcending into communities. We don't even respect each other. We have no respect for people in authority. And what I'm saying is, ladies and gentlemen, that that is ungodly. And that's a recipe for disaster because there's no heart of excellence at work there. You want to succeed in life? You want to see greater things? You want to experience excellence at the most excellent level? 
it starts right here. It starts right here. See, Daniel, he didn't just do what was expected. See, what was expected there would have been, okay, king, I'm good. I'm still your slave. No, Daniel said, oh, great king, may you live forever. See, it doesn't matter. It didn't matter to Daniel that this king had done him wrong. Excellence says go the extra mile. Excellence says forgive. Excellence says look the other way. Excellence says rise above the the circumstance. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10 says this. Whatever you do, do well. Watch this. For when you go to the grave, there will be no work or planning or knowledge for wisdom or wisdom. Watch what the Bible says. Whatever you do, do it well. Do it well. Not because somebody deserves it. Not because somebody did right to you. Because you're called to live right. Because you're called the righteousness of God. Because you are called to arise and shine. Let me tell you another reason why we should strive to live with excellence. You know, as Christ followers, we're not just called to do things. We're called to do them well. Because it counts. Because it impacts lives. And one example that we have, our greatest example is Christ. And I want you to listen to what made his ministry so incredible. I've never seen this in scripture until when I started studying this. Mark 7.37 says this. It says, and they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Listen, people were moved by more than just the miracles and the title and the teachings of Jesus. They were impacted and influenced to change by his commitment to do all things well. Chokes me up, man. It chokes me up. Let me tell you why. Because we fall short in this area. It chokes me up because we settle for second best. It chokes me up because we say, you know what? Not me. And God has called you and I to rise, to shine, to live with excellence. Let's stand here today. Look, as we close here today, I want to encourage you to set a new standard. For those of you that call church at the bridge home, you've heard me say this and you will continue to hear this here at church at the bridge. We love God. We love people. We serve our community. And everything that we do, we do it with excellence. Let me tell you why. Because lives hang in the balance. Because we want to empty the gates of hell and fill the gates of heaven to overflowing. Because we're called to be the difference makers. Because we're called to be the light of the world. Listen to what the scripture says as we close here today. In Matthew 5, 14, directly from the words of Jesus. You... Somebody say me. 
Listen, you are the light of the world. And like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand. And where it gives light to everyone in the house, in the same way, let your good deeds, let a life of excellence shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Let me tell you why we should strive daily to excel in our love for God, to excel in our love for people, to excel in our service to community, and to do everything with excellence because it introduces God as genuine, real, relevant, and practical. That happens through you in me. Let's bow our heads here. Every eye closed. I want you to just take 20 seconds right now and just to consider the truth that we've heard in God's word. For some of us, maybe here's where you are. You're saying, man, I've dropped the ball in this regard. Don't worry about that. Don't focus on how you've dropped the ball. Focus that you have the ball and you can get back up and do something with it. Focus on the fact that there's a high call on your life and so you can rise high in life. Father, today, we take this moment. Hey, right there where you are, if you want to just raise your hands, it's up to you. If you want to just lift your head. Father, today we arise because you've called us to shine. We say yes, Lord. We say yes, we love you. We say yes, we love people. We say yes, we serve our community. We say yes, we do it all with excellence. Because you're worthy. Because you're God most high. And because, Lord, you've called us to rise and shine. We render our hearts and our lives to you, Father. In response to you, we worship you. And we decide today to live with a life marked by excellence. We love you, Lord. We love you. Go ahead and say that to God if you mean that. We love you, God. I love you, God. God, now more than ever, I need the truth that you give me. Now more than ever, Lord, I need to rise to another standard, to a greater height, to a new beginning. Thank you, Father, that you've chosen each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord, that your choosing is for the entire world. And I pray that today, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, Lord, that we make the best decision that we choose you. If there's anyone here today, and this whole deal about knowing God and loving God and seeking God is different, something you've never experienced, but today there's a stirring, there's a burning, your heart's beating, your mind's racing, something has happened within you. Let me say to you that today you have had a personal encounter with God. And God is inviting you to arise and to shine. And let me tell you how that invitation came about. He left his throne on high, and he died the death of a sinner. He paid the price for all mankind, regardless of what you've done, what you do, or what you will do, so that you and I can rise to a new life. If change is what you're seeking, if there's something new that you've been wanting, if you want more, then today what you have to recognize is this, that in your heart there's a burning 
for God. And today he says, just accept the price I paid for you. Just accept Jesus, what he did for you. Take the payment with no receipt attached to it. You owe God nothing. If you believe that today, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with us. Matter of fact, if you believe that, do me a favor right there. Nobody's looking at you. Every eye is closed. If this is the first time or you're making a, a decision to recommit, whatever, just raise your hand right there. Just, just raise it where you are. Let God see that. Let God see that. Let God see that right now. Pray this with us. Come on. There's hands all over this place. Say this with us. Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. I believe that you died and rose again. I believe you paid the price for me. And so today I declare you my Lord and Savior. And I call you my God. And from this day forward, I'm moving forward. I'm arising. And I'm shining. Come on now, if you prayed that for the very first time, we celebrate what Jesus is doing in your life. For those of you that raised your hand, please don't leave here without seeing one of us. We want to work. We want to welcome you into the kingdom and celebrate all that God is doing with you. We want to walk alongside you. Now, Father, we rejoice in Jesus Christ, and we rise and we shine. We say thank you for all you've done in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We look forward to seeing you again next Sunday.